Last weekend's attack by Hamas militants on soldiers and civilians in Israel has shaken Israel, Palestine and the world. Hundreds were killed, thousands injured. Others were captured and taken hostage. Let me try to sum up the mood in Israel at this juncture by reading out to you a message that's doing the rounds on social media here. Israeli journalist Mark Weiss. More Jews were murdered during Saturday's attack than on any other single day since the Holocaust. This was an unprecedented massacre of civilians, men, women and children, old people. The reaction to this will be brutal. There's no doubt about that. The reaction will be brutal. For some residents of the Gaza Strip, it already is. With hundreds of deaths and casualties already reported in the densely populated area as Israel launches airstrikes and prepares for a full-scale invasion aimed, it says, at destroying Hamas. In Europe, horror at the attacks has jeopardised political support for the Palestinian cause, as well as vital humanitarian aid. The momentum has gone towards those who were more hawkish and more pro-Israel than those who tended to be more sympathetic towards the plight of Palestinians and concerned about humanitarian situation in Gaza, the blockade. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, is peace in the Middle East now further away than ever? I talked to Mark Weiss and Naomi O'Leary. Mark, how did it begin? Can you describe what happened in the first hours of the assault? It began for my family here in Jerusalem, as it did for most Israelis, when the sirens went off uh, about seven o'clock in the morning. People are asleep or just waking up. The sirens wail. It's pretty frightening, but we've been through that before. It's not new to us. We go down to the bomb shelter, as does everyone else, or you're supposed to at least, uh, when you hear hear the sirens wailing. You go to the bomb shelter and you wait for 10 minutes or you wait until you hear the uh, the bombs fall. We heard the bombs fall, so we went back to the home. And we thought, okay, here's another round. Uh, another round of uh, periodic violence that erupts between Israel and the militants in Gaza. And indeed, there were thousands of rockets fired. It was a particularly heavy barrage throughout southern and central Israel. But this time it was very different. We didn't realize this immediately. The rocket barrage was just a cover, a cover for a massive uh, ground invasion. The Hamas militants managed to breach the uh, border fence on at something like 80 different locations. Unheard of, never happened before. And at the same time, there was attempts to infiltrate via the sea by Hamas naval units and also by uh, mechanized hang gliders. As you know, hundreds and hundreds of very heavily armed militants infiltrated into Israel. One of the first places they attacked was the uh, the military command headquarters uh, close to the border uh, with massive fighting there. That was neutralized. And they managed to infiltrate no less than 22 separate Israeli communities going from door to door. Most of them were kibbutzim, farming communities. They went from house to house. They opened fire indiscriminately on men, women and children. And, and the people they didn't kill, they seized put them on motorbikes, put them on trucks, and sped back to Gaza's, the Gaza Strip. We believe there are somewhere around 160, 170 uh, Israelis, both soldiers and civilians, inside Gaza at the moment. And this, of course, is another very, very tricky question Israel, the Israeli leaders have to deal with as they plan their, their next military steps. Now, one of the 
worst developments um, was what seems to have been the storming of an open air festival early on Saturday morning. Many of those killed close to Gaza had come to dance. But as Hamas fighters attacked, crowds of ravers ran for their lives. At least 260 bodies have been recovered there, and I suppose we can assume they're all young people. And that's according to Israeli authorities. Um, You mentioned hostages there. There have been reports of hostages taken from that festival. Has anything like this ever happened before in the modern history of the region? Absolutely not. This is a mega event in the history of the modern Middle East. This is a massacre on unprecedented scale. There is incredible anger, first of all, over the almost, it appears, an almost total lack of intelligence that anything like this was being planned. And secondly, the uh, incredibly slow response by um, the Israeli military. I've spoken to people who were in these kibbutzim, locked inside their bomb shelters, fearing for their lives. And it took the Israeli special forces eight hours to reach the kibbutz and engage with the Hamas gunmen. The government's response was between non-existence and lackluster. And when this is all over, and it will probably take many months, then there will be very serious questions to ask by the political and the military leadership in this country. Kim didn't realize that there was like seven or eight Toyota vans full of terrorists and they just shot everywhere. They just shot them, slaughtered them like ducks. And that's the reason I'm here. Because I want the world to condemn this behaviour. I didn't bring my children up to hate anybody. Now, one woman with dual citizenship, Irish and Israeli citizenship, that's 22-year-old Kim Dampty. She was at that festival and we know that she is missing. Are there any updates on her case? I contacted this family this morning. I spoke to the mother and I spoke to um, uh, Kim's sister. There's no update, no. I uh, contacted them a few hours ago. There's no news. You can't sleep. All I can think about is where she is, if she's suffering, if she's still alive. As you mentioned earlier, about 260 people who were at that party, all young people, of course, it was uh, an all-night rave. Uh, It was just coming to an end in the early hours of the morning when the rocket attacks started. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the people at that party naturally fled very quickly uh, towards uh, cars, towards their cars that were parked close by in an effort to, the idea was to get in the cars and flee from the south as quickly as possible to escape the rocket barrage. However, almost all of them, the people who fled, they were killed in their vehicles before they even uh, managed to get on the road. The Hamas gunmen were waiting for them. After they killed all the people in the cars, they moved towards the people that were running away. They mowed them all down. It was a massacre. There's no other way to describe it. As you said, 260 people at least were killed. The bodies were piled up. A few lucky ones managed to uh, run to the local forest and escape the Hamas gunmen. But it was carnage, uh, and the uh, the family of, of uh, Kim Dampty is only one of many families in Israel who who had 
their sons and daughters at the at the site who have no idea what happened to them. Um, the army still hasn't worked out the names of the victims. So the, as you can imagine, the families are incredibly distraught. Besides themselves with worry, it's assumed that probably their sons or daughters will be either dead, amongst the dead, or uh, amongst those who were spirited off to the Gaza Strip by the Hamas gunmen on back of motorcycles or pickup trucks and are being held somewhere in Gaza as we speak. Now, we're talking on Monday lunchtime. What do we know about the hostages that have been taken and how that situation will impact Israel's response? Because these hostages presumably have been taken into Gaza, where Israel is currently targeting with airstrikes. It appears that the the government is basically ignoring the fact that Israeli hostages are in Gaza and are going full steam ahead with plans for a massive uh, military invasion uh, of the Gaza Strip, something we have never, on on the scale of something we have never seen before. It may be or it may not be that uh, negotiations are taking place uh, for some kind of swap between uh, the Israeli hostages and um, Palestinian security prisoners held in Israeli jails and uh, the many militants that were seized during the fighting on Saturday and Sunday. We don't know. But even if there are negotiations, it would seem a, a very tall order that they can reach come to a successful conclusion uh, in the few days we assume that we have before the ground offensive begins. Uh, there simply isn't enough time. These, We remember there was an Israeli soldier called Gilad Shalit uh, a few years ago was kidnapped by Hamas on the border. He was held in the Gaza Strip for years before an agreement could be reached over a prisoner swap. Israel eventually released something like 2,000 Palestinian militants just for that one soldier. It's obvious that isn't going to happen this time. Uh, I cannot see that uh, any kind of prisoner swap will be uh, in place before uh, the Israeli troops move in. There's also massive bombing taking place as we speak in the Gaza Strip. Just a short while ago, uh, the Israeli military informed residents of the Gaza city neighborhood of Rimal to vacate their homes. It would seem that the entire neighborhood will shortly be destroyed from the air. Uh, My point is that Israel is not considering the hostages when it comes to the military response, which has already started from the air, as I said. We know that the Gaza Strip is a very poor area, uh, impoverished with built-up neighborhoods and refugee camps, but there is one quite wealthy neighborhood called Rimal, where a lot of these senior Hamas people live and the the, the Gazan bankers and the top businessmen, etc. They have all been ordered to leave quickly before the area is bombed. Can you tell us about the context, the security situation in Israel and Palestine in recent times and why this attack came as such a surprise? Well, as you know, Israel is a country that has ongoing security issues at any given juncture. There is constant tension on the northern border where Hezbollah, backed by Iran, sits opposite the Israeli forces, controls southern Lebanon with 150,000 lethal rockets ready to strike at Israel 
if, if and when a conflict breaks out there. The West Bank has periodic clashes between settlers and Palestinians and Palestinian militants uh, firing at Israelis and clashes between the army and the Palestinian militants. There was a, a raid in Jenin a few months ago, if you can remember, with the casualties. Ironically, Gaza Strip was relatively quiet over the last few months. And the assessment that we kept hearing, which presumably came from Israeli intelligence, was that Hamas is not seeking a major confrontation at this juncture. It's clear that that assessment was incredibly wrong. Hamas was not only seeking a major confrontation with Israel, but planning it down to the finest detail. Mark, in a statement, Hamas said that they were provoked into attacking when Jews prayed in the compound of a mosque, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is located at a sacred place for both Jews and Muslims. But that seems unlikely to be the only reason, or even the primary reason, for an attack of this scale. Is it possible to say why this is happening now and what Hamas's goals are here? Look, we don't know exactly why Hamas chose this juncture to strike. Um, remember, Hamas is a terrorist organization that's raison d'etre is to destroy the Jewish state, kill as many Jews as possible. Uh, they had planned this operation uh, for quite some time. They were ready. The fighters were ready. The timing from their point of view was right. The window of opportunity was there. It's entirely possible that the story of Jews praying on the Temple Mount at the Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, was just an excuse. And they were going to attack Israel come what may at this juncture. And they were looking for any excuse. Another theory is that um, Iran, which finances and provides weapons to Hamas, was extremely worried over the attempts uh, between Israel and Saudi Arabia to normalize relations brokered by the United States. Uh, this would be uh, a significant setback from uh, the Iranian point of view. Those contacts were in quite an advanced state, and it could be that Iran needed uh, an opportunity to turn the entire Muslim and Arab world against Israel, therefore ordered Hamas to strike now in the hope that the Israeli response will be so vicious that it will indeed turn the entire Muslim and Arab world against Israel and maybe derail the normalization process. We don't know exactly why Hamas decided to strike now. Yumna, please take cover. If you are in a position to do so safely, you can explain to us what we're happening. If you are not in a position to do so safely, yes. then please get to safety. This is a missile attack on, on Palestine Tower, right in the middle of Gaza City. Since Saturday, Israel has been carrying out airstrikes on Gaza. And it's preparing a military response, uh, and that's going to be a ground invasion. What will that response be? But also, what will its goals be? Um, the immediate goal is the um, end of the Hamas regime in Gaza. This means killing or capturing the entire Hamas political and military leadership, all the Hamas uh, regional commanders and uh, engaging with the thousands of armed Hamas gunmen throughout the Gaza Strip, destroying the entire underground tunnel network, 
that Hamas has built there, which is basically an entire city under the ground, destroying all uh, elements of Hamas administration there, all the government buildings, etc. That's the aim of the uh, operation. And I can't see it ending until that's happened. And of course, freeing as many, as many of the Israeli hostages as possible. Mark, you wrote in the Irish Times that, and I'm quoting you here, the full might of Israel's military will be unleashed. The cost will be enormous, with civilians in the densely populated cities and refugee camps likely to suffer the most collateral damage in military parlance. Within Israel, are are there any voices now calling for a calmer, more measured response, one that causes less death and destruction of people who are innocent? in all this? The mood in Israel, obviously, is of incredible anger and militancy. But I don't think even people, even on the far right in Israel, aim to see the death of innocent Palestinian residents of the Gaza Strip. At the same time, it's going to be very difficult to avoid civilian casualties, as it is in any war in a built-up area where there are... uh, civilian population. Tens of thousands of Gaza residents uh, have already flee, have already fled to uh, UN compounds, hoping that that will provide them with some kind of refuge. Um, it's going to be a very painful war. There's no doubt about that. There will be immense civilian casualties. But as far as most Israelis are concerned, uh, they really now have reached the point that they believe there is no alternative. Israel has had many rounds of conflict and rocket attacks and uh, invasions with Gaza. But this, of course, as I said, is a mega event. It's something totally different. And uh, I can't see a military conflict that will end um, with any vestige of Hamas regime in Gaza still standing. At the time of recording, uh, the latest development is that Israel has announced what it's calling a total siege of Gaza, with the defence minister saying that he has ordered all food, fuel and electricity to be stopped going into the the area. It seems inevitable that such a move will cause international controversy, given that it will lead to a lot of suffering of innocent civilians. I am deeply distressed by today's announcement that Israel will initiate a complete siege of the Gaza Strip. The humanitarian situation in Gaza was extremely dire before these hostilities. Now it will only deteriorate exponentially. Is the Israeli government at all concerned at this point about international opinion of how it reacts to what happened at the weekend? Israel is always concerned with international opinion. Presumably, when the civilian casualties mount, the mood will turn against Israel. But even so, as I said before, I don't think Israel will stop this. Even if public international opinion swings against Israel, I can't see them stopping this military operation halfway through until the job is done. Now, just finally, um, a question about the wider region. Look, this is very early days, but it does seem to be that this is going to be a major turning point for the Middle East, one way or another. How do you think this is going to play out? It's very difficult at this juncture to um, even think in terms of medium or long-term strategic ramifications um, from Saturday's events. 
Israel and Saudi Arabia were engaged in quite advanced contacts via the USA uh, for some kind of normalization deal, which would have gone a long way to ending Israel's uh, regional isolation and the isolation of Israel within the entire Muslim world. This was seen to be a strategic game changer if it actually came to fruition. It remains to be seen what will happen with those efforts because of the Gaza war. Quite frankly, we should wait until this war has played out, see what happens at the end of it. I mean, first of all, we don't know what's going to happen with the Gaza Strip after the end of this military, the Israeli military campaign. Who will take control of the Gaza Strip? Israel certainly doesn't want to have its troops patrolling the Gaza refugee camps again, which was the case until 2005 when Israel pulled out of the Gaza Strip. I would imagine the Palestinian Authority based in Ramallah in the West Bank would be very reluctant to take over the Gaza Strip after a massive Israeli military campaign. Maybe such an act would be considered as collaboration by the Palestinians. So it's early days to even think of strategic ramifications, although there is one very important element we haven't talked about, and that's how will Hezbollah in South Lebanon react. Um, there was already a warning this morning by a senior Hezbollah commander that if Israel crosses a red line, then Hezbollah will act, probably militarily. Israel does not want to fight uh, a war on two fronts, although it is making plans for such a, a development. Significant troop reinforcements are also being sent to the north along the Lebanese border. Combat units, infantry units, artillery units, etc. Uh, they are ready for a potential Hezbollah attack that will be probably similar, but significantly more powerful than what we saw on Saturday. But this time, uh, the Israeli military will be prepared. So that's the first thing. We have to see how Hezbollah uh, will act. Will the Gaza war be an isolated war or will it be the beginning of a much wider and a much more dangerous uh, uh, regional uh, conflict? Thanks very much, Mark. Coming up, Naomi O'Leary on the view from Europe and what it means for Ireland, long seen in Brussels as Palestine's greatest supporter. Naomi O'Leary is the Irish Times Europe correspondent. Naomi, these events are having huge reverberations around the world, and including Brussels, of course. What has been the reaction from the EU institutions? I think the reaction has been a lot of shock and horror. What I've noticed is that the statements coming from the EU and the central institutions have been quite vehemently in solidarity with Israel. And that's a a distinction from times in the past where there's been more, I suppose, there would be an attempt to balance calls for a decrease in violence on both sides. But I think that the nature of these attacks and the nature of the attacks on civilians and also the extremely high death toll, which is still rising, it's it's produced a different response this time and hardened reactions, I would say. We heard from Mark Weiss there that Israel is determined now to launch an invasion and bring Hamas to an end. And, you know, that will undoubtedly involve civilian casualties. It already has. You reported yesterday that Ireland, along with two other member states, want to urge a more restrained approach, 
But that suggestion was shot down. What happened? So over the weekend, in response to the attacks, the EU quickly moved to put together a joint statement. So negotiations went on during Saturday between the different European capitals to work out a statement, a joint response, uh, condemning the violence and condemning what had happened. And in those negotiations, Ireland, along, along with Luxembourg and Denmark, pushed for that statement to include an appeal that there should be no escalation in violence. They pushed for that, but it was unsuccessful. They ran up against opposition from other EU countries who felt that it was more important to have an unequivocal statement of solidarity with Israel. So ultimately, the statement didn't include a mention of escalation. It mentioned Israel's right to defend itself, condemned the attacks by Hamas. What's interesting as well is that subsequently, incorrect story kind of went viral which named those three member states, Ireland, Luxembourg and Denmark, as having refused to call Hamas a terror group. That wasn't true. They've all recognised Hamas as a terror group. But an Israel-based television station reported that they had pushed for the statement not to name Hamas as a terror group. That was vehemently denied by the foreign ministries of Denmark, Luxembourg and Ireland. And there's questions now about, you know, where did that statement come from? It was cited to an unnamed diplomatic source. It's possible to read this as a potential attempt to maybe discredit the countries that are seen as soft on Palestine within the EU. It seems that there are various national opinions in Europe when it comes to levels of support for Palestine and its campaign for self-determination and the restoration of its territory. In terms of the bloc, in terms of the member states, where does Ireland fall on that point? So within the 27 EU member states, there is a spectrum of views regarding the Israeli-Palestine conflict. And Ireland would be seen as one of the most sympathetic EU countries towards Palestine, if not the most sympathetic. Um, So it falls really on one end of the spectrum. You can see that in the disagreements that there have been over the years, What has happened now in the immediate aftermath of this attack is because the level of horror about the nature of this attack is so profound. It's really hardened views. And I think that the position of being more sympathetic to Palestine is now more marginalised within the EU. And you can see that in how the responses have been. I mean, the central EU institutions uh, protected the Israeli flag in the immediate aftermath of the attack and they uh, you know they they lit up buildings with the israeli flag uh, the, the european commission was lit up that way they also hosted the israeli flag alongside the eu flag of the blue and um, yellow stars as a symbol of solidarity and it also goes further than that we've seen the hungarian commissioner oliver varhelyi announced that the eu is suspending all aid payments to the palestinian territories that covers both gaza and the West Bank as well. This matters a lot because the EU is, by its own calculations, the biggest single donor to the Palestinian territories. So the impact of removing that aid could be momentous, particularly in a time of huge humanitarian need. What's the stated rationale for that move? Um, Given that it's going to impact no one more than Palestinian civilians, surely? This is kind of puzzling because the foreign ministers, the 27 foreign ministers were actually due to discuss this, but it seems that this commissioner has jumped the gun 
We haven't had an official statement about it yet explaining exactly what's happened. It's just that he's written a thread on Twitter and put it out there saying that all payments will be immediately suspended. So this has really blindsided uh, diplomats as well as journalists and everyone's scrambling to figure out whether he has the legal grounds to do that off his own bat. What we can see here is that those pre-existing camps those who were more hawkish and more pro-Israel and those who tended to be more sympathetic towards the plight of Palestinians and concerned about um, humanitarian situation in Gaza, the blockade and so on. The momentum has gone towards the pro-Israel hawks, I would say. It remains to be seen how this is all going to play out. But certainly I think that in the wake of such horrific attacks, um, Ireland's position does look more marginalised than before. That's it for today. For more Irish Times coverage of the unfolding Israel-Hamas war, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon and Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow.